Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Well, church, I read a story that I found very interesting. It's from a fellow by the name of of Brian Peterson. Brian Peterson. He actually wrote this story back in 1994, so it's a little bit old, but I found it very interesting. Here's what he says. Here's how the story goes. He says, you know, divorced couples in Albuquerque, New Mexico, can take advantage of a new business in town. Now, keep in mind, this is 1994 when he writes this. He says, there is a company called Freedom Rings. Freedom Rings. Jewelry for the Divorced. Founded by jeweler and divorcee Lynn Peters, the company makes custom jewelry out of wedding rings. Each customer at Freedom Rings pays a fee. Then the ring smashing ceremony begins, complete with champagne and music. Just before the smashing, the MC says, Well, now let's release any remaining ties to your past by transforming your ring, which represents the past into a token of a new beginning. So guess what she does? Guess what he does? He takes now a hammer and for a moment, consider the transformation that's about to begin in your new life. Ready? With this, it says, This swing let." freedom ring. He or she then takes a four-pound sledgehammer to whack the emblem of love and fidelity into a shapeless piece of metal, and the ceremony ends. The fact that women are pounding their wedding rings into pendants and men are grinding theirs into golf ball markers doesn't surprise me, their article says. Now, think about this. Each customer goes in there and they pay a fee and they begin actually a amazing ceremony. Complete with champagne, music, the DJ, the MC, it's all go. But here's what I want to bring to your attention. Okay? This is a business. Let's be clear. This is a business. Smashing your wedding ring and saying goodbye to a painful past and beginning a brand new life. This is a business that represents life somehow, okay? So everybody understands that. You go, well, Ben, why did you tell us that story? Here's why. Listen, I believe this story illustrates what we're going to study tonight. You go, wait a minute. Ezra's going to take a five-pound sledgehammer and beat some rings? What's he going to do? No, no, no. Stay with me. Stay with me. Ezra and the Word of God is not... uh, encouraging people to go out and get divorced and smash their wedding rings. That's not what this is about. But let me tell you what it does. It illustrates something very interesting. It illustrates a breaking from the past. A breaking free from the past. Now, the one thing we need to keep in mind, you ready? Before we jump into our text is we need to keep the principle of the word of God in mind. And you go, the principle, Pastor, what do you mean? Well, let me explain The book of Ezra is broken down into two sections. You guys know this. Chapters 1 through 6, what does it deal with? It deals with the initial return of the remnant from Babylon under the leadership of Zerubbabel. Okay? He's coming into Babylonian. His Babylonian name is Sheshbazar. He returns about 538 B.C., with the aim of restoring the temple. So chapters 1 through 6, here we go. We're going to lay down, what, the foundation of the temple. This is so exciting. Why? 
If you go to Israel with us in 2019, you're going to go up to the Temple Mount. Now, the temple isn't there anymore. It was already, it was destroyed in 70 AD by Titus Aspasian. But they are, in fact, waiting to build the third temple. As a matter of fact, if you go to Israel, you can go into a place called the Temple Institute and you can walk in and see that they have already prepared everything they need for the third temple. Well, this is, this is the second temple. This is at least the foundation. The project, guys, if you recall, was, it began about 536 BC. But you guys know the story, right? Opposition quickly arose, leading to the abandonment of the project for at least 16 years. God raises up a couple of prophets named Haggai and Zechariah, and the construction is renewed. Well, between chapters 6 and 7, we have a 58-year gap, which the events of the book of Ezra take place. Your attention, please. We start over here, 1 through 6. They're building the temple. It stops for a while. Why? Because a lot of times, here's what the enemy wants to do. Listen, whenever you start to walk with Jesus and you get real serious with him and your walk, there's always going to be opposition. We, we don't need to live there. Okay, God is greater, he's bigger, but we need to understand that, okay, it's going to come. That's exactly what happens, okay? So what happened was there was a, there was a well, there was a lapse, and, 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 and again, there was a, they just stopped building, and so for 16 years, and, and then Haggai and, and, and Zechariah come up and go, come on, guys, let's rally the troops. Let's go, we can do this. And they do. They build it. Well, then the book of Esther happens. Right? In between chapters 6 and 7. Now, here's what we need to understand, right? Because I'm still trying to drive home the principle of the illustration I gave you. The lesson we learn is that Israel has been in captivity for how long? 70 years. Prior to coming back, they were in captivity for 70 years. Now, you've got to ask yourselves... Why were they in captivity? See, they have been in Babylon all of this time. Now, keep this in mind. From Jerusalem all the way to Babylon is 900 miles. That's a long journey. They've been there for 70 years. Here's the question we've got to ask ourselves, okay? You go, what's that? What was the reason they were in captivity? What were the reason or reasons? You go, um, oh, I got it. First one is disobedience disobedience to God himself. For you and I, it would be disobedience to the word of God. But for them, it was disobedience. The second, you guys know this, it was idolatry. Idolatry. Now, here's what I want you to jot down, okay? If you're taking note, go ahead and jot this down. Um, I do know for, in fact, you'll get extra credit if you take notes to heaven. It's going to be good for you. Jot this down. Disobedience always leads us to idolatry, and idolatry always leads us to disobedience. Let me say that again. Disobedience always leads us to idolatry, and idolatry always leads us to disobedience. Now, you may have heard it said this way. This book, the Word of God, will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. You may have heard it that way. But I do want you to understand that the reasons that Israel was in captivity was because of disobedience and because of idolatry, and disobedience will always lead us in that direction. 
disobedience will always lead us to idolatry, and the problem is, is that idolatry will always lead us to disobedience. So much so, guys, if you recall, Jeremiah, right? Jeremiah, God had given him a mission. For 40 years, he was pleading with the children of Israel, please, guys, please. And he was giving them a message, and he said, judgment is coming. Israel, please repent. Please repent. You guys are worshiping idols. You're worshiping the God of Baal. You're worshiping the God of Astaroth. Oh, please. For 40 years, Jeremiah, guys, he just begs and begs and begs that it was imperative that they turn away from idolatry. Everybody understand that, right? You understand they got in trouble because of disobedience and idolatry. You go, yes. Now, in Jeremiah, here's what we've learned. We learned that this idolatry completely engulfed God's people to the extent that they walked away from the Lord and began to worship these things. Listen, listen, this isn't just information. You see, the word of God is so applicable to us that there are times when our disobedience, our little compromise will get us to start in a little bit of disobedience and a little bit of disobedience. And before you know it, we are in full-blown worship, worship of idols. And you're like, wow, okay. See, Jeremiah is going, guys, listen, listen. Here's, here's what's happening. You're worshiping idols and you've walked away from the Lord. You've worshiped. Now, now, now listen, you guys are looking at me like, Pastor Ben, it's not like you've got some, we've got some big silver or gold idol that we bow down to here in Lubbock. I mean, it's not like we're worshiping idols. I, I, but, but I get they were. But, 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 so, so where, where are you coming? Well, here's the thing, guys. For us, think about what idol could be engulfing you to the extent that you could walk away from the Lord. What idol? What idol could you have in your life? Listen, if I was your enemy... If I was your enemy and I wanted to get you to worship an idol, I would make it something good. You see, I'm not going to say, worship this bad idol, raw, come on, do it, right? I mean, I, mean, I mean, think about it, right? Think about the three boys, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Tibet we go. You know what I'm talking about? Do you remember them? Are you paying, you, did you catch that? Yeah, good, because you might be like, oh, did he say Tibet we go? Yeah, we need to go to bed, I get that. Remember what they said? They, Nebuchadnezzar built this huge statue. And, he, and, 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 his, and, his, and his guy said, hey, make a decree. that Everybody bows and worships that idol. I mean, everybody did, obviously. They're afraid, except Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? They're like, we're not going to bow to your idol. We're not going to bow to your idol. I would pray that you and I would be the same. We're not going to bow. So, you know, hey, guess what? In the middle of Lubbock, Texas, boom, there's this giant 90-foot idol. And when you hear the music on your car stereo, you need to bow to that idol. I hope you and I would go, no, we're not going to bow. We only bow our hearts to Jesus. You guys, you guys tracking with me? So if I was your enemy, i go, that's not going to work. You see, because Beverly, she's not going to bow. She's not going to bow. I know, I know Beverly. 
She gets her mindset. She loved Jesus. She's not going to bow. Okay. Josh, no, he's not going to bow. Let's see. Who, who's here? Who might bow? <laughs> okay, maybe Paul might know. Paul. Okay, we're not going to bow. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take something that looks good, and I'm going to try to make it an idol. And this way you have no idea that you've begun worshiping idols. And what do you think that would be? You know what's really good in your life? Relationships. Relationships are good, aren't they? That's how God made us. Listen, he made us to have relationships. He made us to, to be able to be friends and to laugh, right? He made us to have, and to be, to be BFF, F. He made us to be whatever, I mean, relationships. So sometimes if we can take a, now listen, listen, sometimes we can take a relationship, which is good. Everybody say good. Okay. It could be, it could be parents. It could be spouse. It could be whatever it is, whatever relationship. Okay. It could be good and it could still be an idol. You're like, oh, wow. You see how that works? And so we have to be careful that we haven't put anything good and make it an idol. Well, you go, well, Ben, 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 are, are you just trying to talk? Why, why, are you, why are you tripping about relationships and idols? Well, that's because that's what Ezra's at. Ezra's going to talk about relationships, relationships that are going to turn the hearts of the people away from a loving God. As a matter of fact, look with me real quick, okay? Look with me. We discovered last week that Israel was intermarrying with the Canaanites. And some of the leaders were doing this too. Ezra chapter 9, we just go through it real quick. Ezra chapter 9, verse 1 through 4, it says, When these things were done, the leaders came to me saying, The people of Israel and the priests and the Levites have not separated themselves from the people of the lands with respect to the abomination of the Canaanites. The Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Egyptians, right? And the Amorites, and the Uptites, and the Mosquito Bites, all these guys. Why? What was their problem? They have taken some of their daughters as wives for themselves and their sons so that the holy seed is mixed with the people of those lands. Indeed, the hand of the leaders and the rulers have been, the, have been foremost in this trespass. We see what's going on here. Guys, listen to me. This is relationships. This is relationship. The people of Israel, even some of the leaders go, uh, yeah, you, you know my cousin? My cousin married one of them Canaanite girls. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and 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 one of the one of the parasite, you know, one of the parasite men married one of the Israel girls, having babies and everything. And 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 you go, dude, seriously, what what's what's the matter? Like here it is. I know a lot of a lot of us would would go, Ben, 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 Ben. What's the matter with this? Listen, they were in love. Okay? They were in love. And see, now you're talking about Moabites and Ammonites and Hittites and Perizzites, but, but love trumps all of that, doesn't it? Well, what does God say about it? What does God say about it? You'll see over in Deuteronomy chapter 7, 1 through 5, God says, he says this, when the Lord your God brings you into the land, yes, sir, and you're going to go in and possess it, yes, sir. 
He's going to cast out many nations before you. Who's he going to cast out? The Hittites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you. And when the Lord your God delivers them over in over you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them, nor show mercy to them, nor shall you make marriages with them. You shall not give your daughter to their son, nor take their daughter for your son. Okay? So it's pretty clear. Here's what God's word says. Don't do it. Don't do it. Now, what question are you asking? Why? Everybody say why. That's what we want to know, right? Why? Lord, why? Verse 4. For they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. You know what they're going to do? You know what's going to happen? They're going to turn your sons away from following me. From following me. You go, what's, what's the problem? You ready? Number one, if the people intermarry with the Canaanites... That can and does lead to idolatry. Idolatry. Number two, idolatry is the very thing that caused them to be taken in the first place. Right? Disobedience, what were they doing? They were being disobedient and they were worshiping the God of Baal, the God of Molech, the, I mean, the God of Mammon. And so God's like, dudes, you guys need to stop. You need to stop. They were disobedient because they were supposed to let the land rest. They didn't. And so God says, okay, now it's time. It's time. There's some, needs to be some consequences. Okay? Compromise. Their hearts were not right even now. And they're even moving in a faster direction, the wrong direction. Guys, Here's what I want you to understand. In today's teaching, this is the principle, okay? The principle is, is here's what God says, please don't do that. It's going to lead you in a very, very bad direction. You're going to end up, and you're going to end up hurt and broken and crushed, and, and you're going to end up walking away from me. You're going to end up serving other gods. You're going to end up worshiping other gods, gods you don't know, gods that don't exist. And and here's your problem. Your problem is, is that as, as you begin to worship, they're not, they're not God. They're not going to hear you. And when you're lonely and you're broken and, and life has seemed to hit you upside the face and you cry out to one of these gods, you cry out, you sacrifice your child to one of these gods, they won't listen. They're dead. They're idols. And I'm trying to warn you, please don't go that direction. Please don't go. That's the principle. That's the principle. What do you think Israel's saying? Hey, I'm big. I can do what I want. I'm big. I'm, I, you know what? Listen, we can intermarry. He's saying, no, 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 no. Listen. Listen. It's going to take you away from serving me and serving me. Here's the principle. You ready? To let freedom ring. That's the principle, by smashing the very things that keep us from walking closer to God. That's what we need to do. You go, what do you mean? Think about the story I said, okay? Oh, don't think about it like, hey, let's take off our rings and let's divorce everyone. But think about it. What's the very thing keeping you from walking closer to God? Let's take that right here, guys. Let's smash tonight the compromise in our life. 
Let's take the compromise and say, that's it tonight. Let freedom ring. I'm going to smash it because I don't want to compromise my walk with Jesus anymore. Or how about this? Let's smash the small seeds of disobedience. The small seeds of disobedience. Let's take those out of our heart and go, yeah, I have a tendency to disobey here. I have a tendency to disobey here. And let's take that hammer and go, man, let freedom ring. And I want to smash not only compromise, but I want to smash the small seeds of disobedience. Or how about this? How about we smash the idols that want to control us? We want to smash those things. You go, Pastor, I've got a I got a, I got a problem. You just said that some of those things are good. And you want me to smash them? No, how about we do this? How about in lieu of smash them, you take those idols and put them in their rightful place. You put God above and say, God, my relationship with my wife, it's amazing. But it can't be God. She can't be God. Because people make horrible gods. Don't they? Don't people make horrible gods? You go, how does it work? When you put your spouse above God, you want her or him to act a certain way. Right? Because if you're going to be my God, then I want to control you. But I can't control you, then I get angry. My God is not doing what I want him to do. My God is not doing, I can't believe this. Why are you so angry? Well, you're supposed to. And, 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 and why? Well, the first thing he goes, dude, knock it off. Why? People make horrible gods. Listen, guys, listen. I want you to picture in your mind a triangle right up here like this. Okay? Big triangle. God at the top. You here, your spouse here or your future spouse. The closer you guys walk to God, the closer you're going to be to each other. You guys see that? What happens when one is over here and one is walking closer to God? Pastor Ben, can you talk to us? We feel miles apart, yeah? What about the other way? What if he's walking close to God and you're, you're over here? You, we feel miles apart inside. But what happens when we walk close together, right? Then we walk closer to God. Let me ask you a question. What happens if you take God off the throne and you put him down here and you put your husband right here? How does that look? Doesn't that mess everything up? It does, right? It messes everything up. Now, God has to be on the proper throne. We have to walk or else we can get in trouble. We can get in trouble. So tonight, purpose in your heart, guys, to smash the compromise that lurks in your life. Smash the small seeds of disobedience. Smash the idols that want to control us. If you're taking note, jot this down. I'm calling this message divorce court. Divorce court. You go, why would you say that? Well, tonight, guys, we discovered that Israel is convicted by their sin, which leads to confession with repentance. Well, why'd you call it divorce court? Well, I could have called it repentance court, but that just didn't pop. You know, repentance court. But you'll remember divorce court. You go, well, is that that like divorce in... Well, if you go on your computer and you type in divorce on the dictionary, it gives you several renderings. And this is the one I found very interesting, okay? You can jot this down. This is one of the definitions for divorce. Separate or disassociate with something or from something else. 
distance or disassociate oneself from something. Okay? It doesn't necessarily mean, right, divorce is separation, husband and wife. This means to separate or disassociate from something or someone. Now, last week, where do we leave off? We left off Pastor Ezra, right? He's broken in sin. He's not his personally, but he's crying out for the sins of the nation, right? He starts off by identifying the condition, which is sin. Then he moves to confession with prayer. Now, here's what I want you to do. I, I, I wrote this. I actually typed this out in the message. I just want you to hear. I want you to hear Ezra's prayer, right? Ezra's prayer. Listen. Just close your eyes for just a moment. This is Ezra. He says, "At the evening sacrifice, I picked myself up from my utter devastation, and in my and I ripped my clothes, and my cape fell to my knees, and I stretched out my hands to God, my God, and I prayed. Listen to his prayer. You ready?" My dear God, I'm so totally ashamed. I can't bear to face you. Oh, my God. Our iniquities are piled so high that we can't see out. Our guilt touches the skies. We have been stuck in a muck of guilt since the time of our ancestors until now. We and our kings and our priests, because of our sins, have been turned over to foreign kings, to killing, to captivity, to looting, to public shame, just as you see us now. And now for a brief time, God, our God has allowed us, this battered band, to get a firm foothold in this holy place so that our God may brighten our eyes and lighten our burdens as we serve out of a hard sentence. Yeah, we were slaves. And even as slaves, our God didn't abandon us. He put us in good graces of the king of Persia. And he gave us a heart to build the temple of our God, to restore its ruins, to construct a defense, defensive wall in Judah and Jerusalem. And now, our God, after all this, what can we say for ourselves? For we have thrown your commandment to the wind. The commands that you gave us through your servants, the prophets, they told us, The land you're taking over is polluted land, polluted with obscene vulgarities of the people who live there. They're filled with it, with their moral rot from one end to the other. Whatever you do, don't give your daughters in marriage to their sons, nor marry your sons to their daughters. Don't cultivate their good opinion. Don't make over them and get them to like you so that you can... So you can make a lot of money and build up a tidy estate and hand down to your children. And now this, on top of all we've already suffered because of our evil ways and accumulated guilt, even though you, dear God, punished us for far less than we deserved, even went ahead and gave us the present escape, yet here we are, here we are at it again, breaking your commandments by intermarrying with people who practice all these obscenities Are you angry to the point of wiping us out completely? Without even a few stragglers? With no way out at all? Are you? You are the righteous God of Israel. We are right now a small band of escapees. Look at us. Openly standing here. Guilt before you. No one can last long like this. That was his prayer. Did you catch that? So now we come to chapter... 10, chapter 10, verse 1. He says, now, while Ezra was praying, 
And he was confessing and he was weeping and bowing down before the house of God. A very large assembly of men, women, and children gathered to him from Israel. For they wept very bitterly. Your attention, please. Notice what's going on here. Ezra had confessed the sins of the people in prayer and supplication, and he did it with many tears. Ezra's crying out. We know that he's just, he's just saying, God, listen, we're at it again. I can't believe this. And, and listen, and he's not just going, I mean, I mean, think about it. He's not just going, yep, that's the people, Lord. I don't know. I came from Babylon. Look what I found. A bunch of myths. He's, he's broken by the sin of the people. He's broken. He's broken. Church, listen to me. What happens? What happens when somebody walks away from God? What happens when somebody's not worshiping God? What happens when somebody dies in their sins? I I don't know. I don't know if we have the same heart that Ezra has. I I want the heart of Jesus. And you go, well, what's the heart of Jesus? Well, guys, if I can fast forward to 2018, there's a couple of things going on. The first thing you might have realized is is world-renowned physicist Stephen Hawking passed away last night. And everything I've read, this was a man who did not believe in God. This was a man who actually quoted that his brain was simply like a computer, and when he dies, all the components have just just stopped working. And that heaven is a fairy story for those who are afraid of the dark. End quote. Guys, listen, we go. He, he was a self-proclaimed atheist. I don't believe in God. I only believe in science, really, right? That's, that's really his motto. I don't believe in God, I believe in science. And that's what he did. But here's my point. Where is your heart in this? Where, where is your heart, church? Because, because the heart of Jesus goes, man, I don't, he's lived a life denying me. I loved him. I loved him. Jesus said, if you die in your sins, you're going to be separated from me. So, so the internet is filled up. Where's Stephen Hunt? I don't know. I can only assume based upon his confession. But I, knew, I do know this. My God is amazing God. My God could have been right there in the last moments and, and, and showed himself faithful. And Stephen could have said, I believe. I believe. Forgive me of my sin. And we don't know anything about that, do we? We don't know until we get there. Do you believe God is that good? I do, but I believe there are people who go, no, thank you. Listen, I don't know about you, but I could not imagine, I could not imagine entering eternity without God. I just couldn't. Well, see, yeah, that's because Jesus is a crutch for you. You know what? Listen, Jesus isn't a crutch for me. Jesus is the whole stretcher. I need them all. I mean, sir, can, can we be honest in church? Why do we think that we can do it? Why do we? Listen, been studying the Bible 25. You don't know nothing. I know. I need Jesus every single day. Every single day I need Jesus. That's exactly. But okay, that, that's the thing. 
later on, there was a there was a certain girl by in the television program The View. There was a certain lady who who said that if you hear the voice of Jesus, that you're crazy. Sign me up. Here's a lady who is very anti-Christian. You, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? I'm not going to name names, but I think, I think, I'm not sure. Her, her first letter is J, and I think the last letter of her name is Y, and there's an O in there somewhere. But anyways, so um, here's my point. A lot of people are giving her backlash, right? Oh, can you say that? Vice President Mike Pence. Blah, 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 And here's my heart. Here's my heart. My heart is like Ezra. Listen, she, she, is, she is made in the image of God. And there's a far worse day coming for her than internet backlash. Are we praying for those people? Are we crying out, going, God, we've sinned against you. We've sinned. I'm right there. I'm right there. We've sinned against you. Ezra casts himself down before in the house of God, right? And guess what happened? While all this is going on, Ezra's just crying and he's praying. And a large group of gathering, he's coming, right? Being affected by his confession, cries in tears, he's just weeping, and they begin to weep bitterly. And I think it was just, could you imagine this amazing prayer service? Can I just say this? Let me let, here's what's lacking in the church today. Prayer. Prayer meetings. Getting together, crying out, crying out to God. We don't know how to do prayer meetings. And again, I'm, using, I'm, not, I'm, I'm talking about the church worldwide. I'm talking about the, the church of Jesus. But, but together, let's have a prayer meeting. People come, oh, I don't know how to, I don't know what to pray. And, and, and we're, we're anemic that way. Here, Ezra has this amazing prayer meeting. And people start coming in and they're like, I feel that same conviction. Are we praying for people? Are we praying? Listen, how many of us know loved ones that are not walking with Jesus? How many of us know? They're just not, we, we just, how many of us know coworkers that are not walking with Jesus? Don't claim to be a Christian. Don't, don't want to be a Christian. Are we, are we crying out for them? Are we crying out for them? The people saw grief in Ezra and heard his prayer to God to forgive them. See, many people have realized the seriousness of what they had done and they began to weep. Look at verse 2. Here's what I want you to know. Jot this down. Here's the confession. You guys ready? Verse 2. And Shechaniah, the son of Jehel, one of the sons of Elam, spoke up and he said this to Ezra. Quote, We have trespassed against our God and have taken pagan wives from the people of the land. Yet now there is hope in Israel in spite of this. Everybody see that in verse 2. Okay? Not that this fellow had taken any wives for himself, being but just he had come into the land. Nor is his name on the list of those who had. Inasmuch as the nation, it was part of his, basically of his own father and several of his uncles. He's going to express that. We're going to see later on 
in verse 26, but he expresses himself in this manner. What does he do? He, what? Confesses. Everybody see that? What did he say to Ezra? Look at it again with me. We have trespassed against our God, and we have taken wives from the peoples of the land. There's the confession. Everybody say confession. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to talk to you for just a moment about confession, okay? I'm gonna, I, I want to talk negative for just a minute. You go, what, what is negative? Okay. So many times in our lives when we're convicted by sin, it usually leads us to confession, does it not? Oh, Lord, I'm sorry. I, I sin, right? Confession. That's, we, we do this. Here's what I want to draw your attention to. You ready? Sometimes I think that's where it stops. You go, whoa, 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 what do you mean? Guys, I think the Christian thinks that it's enough to feel remorse and offer up a confession, but he never repents from that sin. I think sometimes, I mean, could you imagine? Man, he just confessed. God, we did it. Ezra, we did it. I'm so sorry. We are, oh my goodness. This is serious. This sin is serious. This is serious. All right, let's go. God, please forgive me. God, please forgive me. Please forgive me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, please forgive me. Here's what I want you to see. Here's what I want you to see, right? I th- I think that Christians, sometimes they feel sad and they feel sorry, but I think it's because they got busted, they got caught, and then they say, oh, I'm caught, Lord, please. And they, and they do, and they do offer a very sincere confession, and, but there's no repentance. There's no brokenness. I read this story, it goes like this, there, it was about three years ago, he says this month, I repented to God for something dinky. He said, I hadn't stolen any candy from a baby, oppressed a widow, or coveted neighbor's cow. I had simply failed to control my attitude and my tongue. Anybody with me? This is what he says. He says, during the previous six months, I had been doing so good. I had been taking every thought captive. I was trying to be nice. I was, I was thanking people, and then it happened. Dun, dun, dun. He says, sin, sin. He said, so I prayed. God, I'm sorry about my poor self-control. I'll stop trying to be right and sorry for my attitude. I know I'm blessed. I'll try harder. He says, then I sensed God say, Stop. I thought, okay, I get it. That's not the only area of lack of self-control. So I prayed, God, so-and-so is, is so irritating the heck out of me, and my thoughts are so untamed beast, and I will begin to be patient and start to domesticate my mind. And God once again said, stop. A flood of uncontrolled areas came to mind, and I willed myself to do better. And I felt God shout, Stop. This time I stopped, and this time I shut up. He goes on to say in the article, what was wrong with my repentance? I had acknowledged, here's what it was. He says, I had acknowledged a measure of weakness and resolved to act better in the future. 
because my repentance, commitment to change, was simply self-serving, sure, I snuck a humble confession, but when I picked myself up, dusted myself off, told God how I would do better, I presented myself to God on the basis of my future behavior. What was I doing? He goes on to say in this article, I was covering my shame with the plans for self-improvement. And God asked me to pause in the moment of confession and repent. Guys, think about it. If we were to stop in verse 2, we leave a confession, but is there any repentance? Is there any brokenness? Here's what, here's what, the, article was, here's what the article was suggesting. That there are times in our confession that we, we appease the guilt and the shame of what we've done with the, with the promise that we'll do better. We'll do better next time. I won't let that happen. I'll be nice. And the Lord says, but listen, repentance comes from a heart that's changed, not simply modifying your behavior. It's not enough, church. Listen, this is negative and I love you. It's not enough for us to simply confess. We must continue with repentance and brokenness and humility. And, and then we need to wrap it in a beautiful blanket of love. We can just, you know, right? right? You, you've heard that, right? How many times are you going to say you're sorry, but you keep doing the same thing? I'm sorry, you keep doing the same thing. God says, I know, but see, you're covering your shame with plans for self-improvement. God, I'll, I'll try better, I'll try better, I'll, I'll be better, I'll be better. Let me just tell you this, guys, I can't be better. I need Jesus to help me, to change me. I need him every single day. Well, back in our text... Back in our text. Note with me the last line of verse 2. What does he say? He says, Yet now there is hope in Israel in spite of this. Here's what I love about this, right? Nathalie just did a conference, said hope has a name. This is exactly what he's saying. He's going, man, I am, I am so busted. I, Lord, God, listen, the prayer meeting is going. People's hearts are breaking. And, and, and the Holy Spirit is falling mightily. And he goes, but there's hope. There's hope. And I wonder where he's getting it. If you're taking note, you can jot this down. He probably got it from the promise, and it's a conditional promise in Deuteronomy 30, 8 through 10. He says, And you will again obey the voice of the Lord, the voice of the Lord, and do all his commandments which I commend you today. And the Lord your God will make you abound in all the work in your hand, and the fruit of your body, and increase of your livestock. And in the produce of your land for good. For the Lord will again rejoice over you. For good as he rejoiced over your fathers. Verse 10 says, If you obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes which are written in the book of the law, and if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You guys ready? You can put, that's repentance. That's repentance. You see, it was a hard thing. He says, if. God wants to bless you. God wants to walk with you. And he loves you abundantly. He says, okay, okay, Deuteronomy, if, if we do this, he says, I'm right there with you. If 
where you hear the voice of the Lord. You see, God has declared himself to be merciful and gracious, and there's always hope for those who will turn away from, turn away from sin, which is exactly what Shechaniah is going to say in verse 3. Listen, listen, before you look at verse 3, those people that we're praying for, as long as they're breathing, everybody say that, breathing, there's hope. Don't give up. Don't give up praying. Don't give up seeking God. Don't give up praying for them. But pastor, they, they act like there is no God. They're, they're, keep on, keep on. Why? Because as long as they're breathing, there's hope. How do I know this? Look at us. Listen, we didn't just get born again and then all of a sudden we're like these perfectly mature Christians coming to church on Wednesday night. There were times when we were Sunday morning only people. We just did Sunday morning. And as we grew and we matured, we started coming and we're learning and we're growing and, and there's hope. As long as they're breathing, there's hope. That's what he's saying. Look at verse 3. Now, therefore, he says, make us a covenant with our God to put away all of these wives and those who have been born to them according to the advice of my master. And for those who tremble at the commandment of our God and let it be done according to this law, arise. For this matter is your responsibility. But we also with you be of good courage and do it. Do it. What's he saying? He's saying, guys, it's time to clean house. Now, you go, Ben, um, Ben, that's a divorce. That, that's, that's divorce. Here's what's going to happen. Because, because the wives right here were used to worshiping idols, the moment that, that Israel returns to the one true living God, you're going to have a splitsville anyway. Why? Because... Because, Bob, can you serve two masters? That's right. We learned that last night in discipleship. You can't serve two masters. So the moment we start serving the living God, whoa, 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 what are you doing? What are you doing? You guys with me? He's not advocating divorce, but he's saying, listen, he means that all the strange wives, all the marriages being, now you've got to underline this, unlawful. Unlawful. And such wives might be more easily put away since bills of divorce were frequent use with Jews and the children of such also being illegitimate. Illegitimate. Now, what's the principle? Do you guys remember the principle, right? What's the principle? To let freedom ring. How so? By smashing those things that turn our hearts away from God. I want to, I want to focus on God's principle So you know, okay, I see it, I get it, I get it. And so they make a covenant with God to walk in obedience to him, to confess and repent. They make a covenant. Then, verse 5, Ezra arose and made leaders and priests and Levites and all Israel swear to the oath that they would do according to this word. So they swore an oath when Ezra rose up before the house of God and went into the chamber of Johanan, the son of Eliashib. And when he came there, he ate no bread, drank no water, for he mourned because of the guilt from those in cap, from the captivity. Now here's what I want you to know. The only way this would work would be if everyone participated. 
Everyone, including the priests, the Levites, the people had to swear that they were going to do this to get back in right standing with God. But here's what I want you to see. Ezra, guys, is still mourning, and therefore he's fasting. The Bible says that he's not eating bread or water. If you're taking note, this is considered a complete fast. There are times to do that. This is a complete fast. I meant to bring it up here, but one of the things, guys, that we're going to do as a church right before Easter is we're going to fast for a week. We have four different fasts for you. You have the complete fast, you have the partial fast, you have the Daniel fast, and then you have the soul fast. You go, what's a soul fast? It might be social media, it might be movies, it might be something. But the point is, is that, is that listen, if we're going to be like Ezra and we want to see people saved. Now, let me make myself clear, okay? I would love that God would build Calvary Chapel. But our hearts in leadership is that God would build his kingdom. I would love that every seat, don't, I'm, you know, pastor wants kingdom built. He doesn't. I'd love every, every chair be filled in here. Listen, I want a bigger family. But more importantly, we need people in the kingdom. So what if somebody gets saved and they don't come to Calvary Chapel? Praise the Lord. Praise God, right? Because right? here's the thing. Look at your life for a minute, for a minute okay? Somebody in heaven is going to come up to you and go, because of your life. You go, what did I do? The only thing you might have done that year is put out Easter eggs. And you changed a life. Ezra's fasting because he goes, man, I just, I need to do this. I need, it's a, it's a complete fast. And they issued a proclamation, verse 7, throughout Judah and Jerusalem with all the descendants of the captivity that they must gather at Jerusalem. So here, guys, you need to come to Jerusalem and that whoever would not come within three days, according to the instruction of the leaders and the elders, all his property would be confiscated and he himself would be separated from the assembly of those from captivity. Three days, you need to get here. This is all going down. Now, let me close with this, okay? Let me close with this. As Christians, guys, we are called to be in the world, but not of the world, okay? We know that in John 15, verse 9. The current state of modern Christianity is just the opposite of that. Instead of holy living and biblical separation, the order of the day is pop culture combined with false doctrine. You go, well, Ben, what is God calling us to do today? Here's what he's calling us to do. He's calling us to turn from the idols, turn from the idols, and then turn our idols into dust. Turn from our idols and then turn our idols into dust to dust. You go, how so? Let freedom ring. Spiritually, in your mind, in the next six minutes, take your sledgehammer, your spiritual sledgehammer, and smash those things, whatever God brings to mind. Pray right now, God, what what is keeping me from walking closer to you? God, I want to lay it down. I want to, I want to be set free tonight. I'm going to be set free. I'm going to smash it right here. Those little seeds, not, not the big ones, guys, the little seeds of 
disobedience. We need to smash those tonight. Some of us, guys, it's just, there's just idol. There's just idols in our lives. Okay, okay. I want that. I'm going to lay that down. Father, we thank you for your word. That's our heart, God. We don't want to deal, Lord. We, we, we make a proclamation, God, that we don't want to, to follow anything that's keeping us away from you. My prayer, God, is that everyone in this room, Lord, when they take their final breath, Lord, they're going to be in heaven rejoicing. And not only that, God, but, but they loved you so much that they run in hard, in hard and fast after you. Thank you for the book of Ezra, Lord. Thank you that you, you, Lord, you follow us so, you pursue us so much because you love us. So, Lord, we worship you, Lord. Let, let freedom ring, God, in our hearts today. Separate us from those things that are destroying us. Separate us from those things that are that are binding us, Lord. Let us run hard and fast after you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's worship the Lord. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.